Okay, so welcome to another episode of Ear to the Streets podcast with myself, T Dot. Um, today I'm joined by a um, very talented lady, singer songwriter. Um, do you want to just introduce yourself and tell us a bit about who you are? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, I'm Kinoa. Um, yeah, I'm a I'm an artist. I'm based in South London. Uh, the kind of music that I make is mostly um, electronic, uh, a bit of pop, a bit of R and B, uh, and I'm kind of moving in a new direction right now, where I'm focusing on a disco and a funk side of things. Um, so that's that's me. And in terms of how I started off. Um, like a lot of singers, I thought I needed a band. So when I was younger, um, I was in a few different bands, uh, mostly doing, uh, indie stuff, a bit of metal, um, which is a world away from the kind of stuff I make now. But I do feel like as artists, we go through transitions, we evolve and we learn and we grow. So it's all normal. Um, and then from the bands, I moved on to doing, working with rappers who'd, heard me at gigs and asked me to jump on their songs and sing like a hook for their choruses. Uh, and I got into the electronic side of things through that and just met producers and uh, then thought after a while, yeah, really like, really like this kind of music, want to get more into it. I just started exploring really. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting because I think, so, because you, you was in bands for quite a while and I'm, I'm assuming that was totally different to the stuff like you said that you was working, that you're working on now. Um, yeah. So what would the band, so when you was in a band, um, what time are we talking, like 18, 19? Uh, no, much younger than that. I think I, right, okay. I was in my first band when I was 12. Because um, oh, okay. I grew up outside of London and there was this music, um, this music program, basically, you could audition for. And um, they would place you in bands and they would give you mentors and guides and then put on um, shows around town. So that was quite helpful, but the kind of music that we're making was, I'd, I'd just call it some soft rock, some indie um, and a bit of metal. So yeah, totally different. We had uh, guitars. Um, I played a bit of bass, drums. Um, maybe you'd get a keyboard player, but yeah, you just get lots of different instruments involved as well. And it was all, it was mostly focusing on the live sound rather than how can we produce a record for the radio, for instance, or for streaming, because mm. even back then streaming just wasn't a thing. Um, yeah, yeah. This was like 2008, 2009. So yeah, the world, yeah. Was, the musical world was so different then. Yeah. And I suppose that move. So where was you before you moved to London? Where, where, where was you? So I've lived in a couple of different places. I was in Brighton for a while before London. And then I grew up in Swindon. So around by like okay. Bristol, yeah, yeah, yeah. Southwest area. So obviously moving to London, like your eyes must have just opened to like a whole new world of <laughs> like doors was just opening everywhere. Cause that's London's like that. There's so many opportunities to just connect with different artists and um, from different genres, different backgrounds and all that kind of stuff as well. So that must've been like an eye opener a little bit from going from um, being in a band. And then obviously, like you said, there's loads of, opportunities to just be collaborating with rappers or other singers and things like that so what was that like for you in terms of going to London and then obviously you're just in the hub of the music world yeah. in the, the UK it wasn't quite as harsh transition as it sounds because I had that little time in Brighton in between so I almost took like a baby step into the wider world I feel and I met um yeah as you said I met like rappers and producers uh, around Brighton but then when I moved to London you're right there is kind of a stark contrast in that 
pre-COVID, there was so many open mics. There was so many opportunities to perform. Um, I feel like there's a lot more uh, nowadays. There's a lot more networking groups. There's um, people always inviting me to stuff on Clubhouse. We've got um, yeah. There's there's so many opportunities that people who are based in London, I do feel kind of get together a bit more than people elsewhere. Um, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's it's kind of a mindset of people that weren't born here that I've met. Uh, in music are just kind of like most of us are kind of fought to be in London. Um, yeah. You know, we, we've done our best to study hard, to get jobs, to afford to live here because just, this is a tough city to live in. Um, mm. So it's just kind of that like grind mentality, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to touch on that a little bit because there was a tweet that you put out. Um, I think it was a <laughs> uh, couple my of weeks. Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it was mess. last week or the week before. And I agreed with it as yeah. well. Cause um I'm like paraphrasing, so I might have got some of this wrong, but basically you were saying that for an unsigned artist to mm. continue to put out the level of music that you put out or any artist at your kind of level that you're doing it yeah. um, with no sort of backing from like labels or nothing like that to then have to continue to do that whilst you're like juggling other stuff as well. It's like a hot potato all the time. You're just constantly juggling everything. Right. So how like, how do you kind of cope with that knowing obviously like you just said London's like one of the toughest cities to live in in, in the UK yeah. due to like just the inflation of everything in London like even getting like a, a chocolate bar is like ridiculously expensive <laughs> in London but um, right. how do you cope with all of that kind of stuff as well yeah first of all I don't think I mean you're right it's just insane you can't compete with people who are signed to major labels um people who who just for, for whatever reason they just have a lot of money to throw into music you can't compete with that and I don't think there's any point in like there's no point in an unsigned or emerging artist trying to compete with like the Ariana Grande's or the Beyonce's it's just it's so unrealistic and so I think you need to kind of be real with yourself and just realize that your goals they might be huge but you need to take it one step at a time and you can't compare yourself to others because you just don't know you might think, oh, I've seen an artist at a gig and now I see that they're blown up, they're all over the radio, this, that and the other. But you don't know. You don't know. They might have they might have a backer. They might have an investor. They might be signed to a label, but just not talking about it. So I think you can't compare yourself to other people. Mm. Um, and yeah, in terms of living in a city and working, um, I think everybody actually does have a job, whether it's a, a side job, a part-time job. I agree. I don't think many people at all even people I've met that you'd think oh they've got millions of streams literally millions of streams mm. they've still got full-time jobs yeah yeah I think um what's his name plastician yeah yeah uh he's a big DJ right and I think he still works he still has yeah, like yeah. especially this year as well gigs. this year he's yeah, had to probably because of the fact there's been insane. nothing going on yeah and the fact that you can't even gig right now so even if you were before a full-time gigging artist Mm. you've probably had to pick up some kind of side gig just mm. to just to live yeah no it's true I've, I agree I think a lot of artists and I don't know whether it's more of like a, a shame thing they don't want to admit it you know they want to be seen as this artist yeah. that is is I don't know doing really well million streams or whatever but I don't mm. think there's no shame in saying this, this is how I pay for my music this is how you get to see the, the mix down, the quality of the mix down being really well, the visuals being really well, the artwork being, re all of that costs so much money. And yeah. I don't think, I think from a, a, a listener's point of view, all they see is 
something on Spotify, they don't actually see all the work that goes into getting it to that point. There's so much steps yeah. to it as well. Yeah. And I don't think that's, it's not really the audience's fault. They probably just think, no. oh, they've got a mic at home. They record on their <laughs> laptop and then they upload it to Spotify. But if you're only. right, there's so much behind the scenes that I was trying to work out. And I think I even put on that, on that tweet that you're mentioning, I was like, it costs probably approximately about a grand per single if you're doing all the right thing, ticking all the boxes. And by that, I mean, paying for your beats. If you, if you don't produce yourself, paying for your mixing, mastering, getting your promotion out there, doing a video, it's not for free. Like no one does anything for free and they shouldn't. So it's got to come from somewhere and we know it doesn't come from streaming. So you're right. People shouldn't be ashamed. And I think actually like, it's so good to see pressure being applied to those streaming platforms yeah, hundred percent. Because that's the I was speaking about this with someone on on the podcast a few weeks ago, and I was saying that like sh- streaming is such it's such a a poor way to you can't live just, off stream. No one could. No, no. And <laughs> no I don't. And I think streams. you'd have to literally every song you put out would have to be hitting a hundred million streams. And that's yeah. not me being stupid. That is just literally no, no, even a, right. even a million streams isn't enough for you to sort of kick back no. and go right. That's my job done. It's not, I think a million streams will probably get you about 5,000 pounds. Yeah. Like yeah. Or just I think under. I'd had a chat with somebody. We worked out that to get a minimum wage salary, which I think, or even I think the, their national average salary. So which I think as a, at the time was like 27 grand. We were like, mm. how many streams would you have to pull in to get just the average salary? Not even yeah, anything yeah. incredible, but that was something like, yeah, like two or three million a month. Mm. And it's I mean, ridiculous. Like, it's it's not- insane. So that's why I put out that thing saying, how are people doing this? Because I'm only just able to do it with a full-time job. Mm. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, like myself as well, we're all in that same boat where we're just juggling so many things. And it, it is, I mean, I've always tried to keep a lot of things in-house and that's down to like artwork and I produce. So I'd, all that kind of stuff I yeah. do myself. But even you. then it's still hard. You still have to have the equipment. You still have to have a decent um You have you know, to have the equipment, the resources. Yeah. Right. And the, the time, time as well. As well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally yeah, the Jason. time. The time is the biggest thing because if you're working full time, mm-hmm. let's say you do 37 hours a week, that's just what everyone normally does if you're full time. Yeah, yeah that's pretty much most of your day gone. Your whole week's gone on just work. That's without doing anything. So I think a lot of people forget that as well. Um, But at the same time, you seem to be juggling okay uh, at the moment. I don't (laughs) know. New single out today. (laughs) I outsource a lot of stuff where I just feel I don't have the time to learn things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would rather... um, I'd rather pay somebody who has the skills already to do things properly. Um, I think I've got to that stage where I'm like, okay, I've got to put my money where my mouth is and I am self-funded. And if that's going to be the case, I've got to do things. I don't want to do it half-assed basically. I don't want to put out something where I look back and go, Oh, I wish that I'd like kind of upgraded the mix on that. Or Mm. I wish I'd got, um, I don't know, a better video or something, but I'm actually really, really happy with all of the, all of the stuff that I've come out with probably in the last six months, I think I've had that mindset of change of um, kind of this is it. And I think that's just me getting older and realizing that this industry, especially for women, is quite ageist. Mm, and I can't be 
I can't be 50, 60 and like twirling around on a stage. So I feel like, I don't know, unless you're like Madonna or somebody, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I feel at my level, I, I'm kind of like, there is kind of a ticking clock in my head. Mm. So I'm like, okay, right, get to it. Yeah, it's true. It shouldn't be true, but it is to an extent. It's, um, it's crazy. But I wanted to talk about um, Unproblematic. Yeah. Because I think that was the first, I went back and watched the, the the visuals for that as well, which was quite good. But I just wanted for the listeners, if you could tell us like, what was the, the concept and the context behind the song, if you can. Sure, yeah. So Unproblematic um, uh, is a song I put out end of last year with a rapper called Madman State. Uh, he's West London based, very talented guy, great lyricist. And we met at a gig um, summer 2019. Um, I was just performing, his mates were performing. I went up to them afterwards, I was like, you know, really good performers. Met all their group and um, and yeah, and we just connected over socials. And I saw his stuff. I was like, man, he's really, he's really talented. I wonder if he'd be up for a collab because my thing used to be collabs, collabs, collabs. I collaborated with everybody I could just to kind of soak up everybody's knowledge, connect with people. Also being quite new to London a few years ago, I just didn't know enough people. So my, my thing was, I want to just collab with as many people as I can. So I asked him if he'd be down for that. And he was, um, we met up, when was it? I guess it took us kind of a full year to bring the song out and mostly down to the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but when we met, we just had this chat about what, what kind of song do you want to put out? And he was saying that his songs he'd put out were quite, um, angsty and aggressive and, um, he wanted to show his softer side. And I said, for me, I'd felt a lot of my songs were quite sad and I wanted to show my like happier side, more positive side. So for us, it was, okay, how can we show another side of ourselves and mm. blend our sounds? So that's that's kind of how that song came together. Yeah, no, it's a good song as well. And yeah, um, I just wanted to say, because you've had quite a lot of sort of, um, when we were talking about like the market, marketing side of things and um, things like that, but you've had some some good sort of feedback from like BBC Introducing and Hoxton Radio and um, yeah. Pulse 88, all those kind of um you know promotion any promotion is good promotion but they're like Definitely. really good ones to have as well um but i think f- like before we started recording i was saying the first song i listened to of yours was lemons um and one of the reasons why it attracted me for two things the, the artwork because i think artwork's mm-hmm. key i think that's something that just draws yeah. people's attention to stuff um but the fact that there was so um remain dixon is the collaboration on that one yeah. just talk us through that as well because yeah, that that got that's that's what caught me as well. The fact that it was two females on there. Yeah, that is something that I'm I'm really really proud of. I'm really happy that we could we could pull off. So yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad the artwork attracted your attention. Um, so one of my best friends does all my artwork, and um, right. she's really talented. So the way that the collab came about with Romaine was that we'd met. I'm kind of glad that all these collabs have come about relatively organically. So Romaine mm-hmm. and I met years ago probably like three four years ago at a bbc sounds event um i think she she came she came up to me and my friend and just started talking to us like Mm. i was like wow who's this lady with all this confidence um but yeah she's really friendly really nice and i'd listened to her music and i loved her voice Mm. and i was in my my collab stages and i was thinking i've never collabed with women i've collabed with 
men. Um, I've collabed with non-binary people, but I haven't ever collabed with another woman. So, mm. um, yeah, I, I thought about messaging her and I was saying, I love your, love your R&B sound, love like your... Because she put out a song last year called Vibe that has done right. hugely well and was all over the radio. Every time I turned the radio on, I could hear it. So I was like, I really love Vibe. And I think she said something along the lines of, oh, love what you've been putting out. Be good to work together. I was mm. like, well, I'm going to take you up on that. Yeah, let's do something. Um, so I shared with her something I'd been working on, which I started writing when the pandemic hit. And basically around when bad stuff happens, you've just got to make the the most to make the best of a bad situation. And um, I I got the beat from a producer I've known for a while who's based in the States. And she really liked the beat. Even though it was, I thought it was quite simple, but mm. that's what that's what left space for her to do her magic and give us those beautiful R&B runs. Mm. Uh, so yeah, she was, she was down and she helped me finish writing it. And we, yeah, went to studio, recorded together, got it done. I think we got it done in like an hour, hour and a half. Oh, okay. it, was, it was just one of those really smooth processes. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And speaking of like your writing process and obviously with like lockdown COVID, has that hampered that like in terms of like your writing and, and how like, do you write just for the sake of writing, if that makes sense? Or do you have mm. to hear the beat and then you start penning down or how, how do you, how's your process? How does it work? Yeah, you know, with lockdown, I think a lot of people have felt that pressure to be even more productive. Like, oh, I've got all this free time, I'd better write thousands of songs. But um, no, I haven't felt I haven't felt like it's any easier or even any harder. Um, but I think for the, the process for me, I just have to hear the right sound and then I can start humming, get a melody going. Um, and I usually... I usually start with a melody, uh, to be honest, and and I just kind of feel out the song and feel, you know, feel the, how does it make me feel emotionally? Uh, what kind of mental state does it put me in? Is it making me feel happy, sad, angry, romantic, whatever, whatever it is? Um, and then I think I can apply, I can usually apply an experience I've had within the last few years to it because then it feels more real. You could kind of yeah. bring the sound to life, create the song, start writing almost like a mini story within the song. Mm. Um, and then one thing that's really key for me is that I like to bring in a lot of um, senses. So your sense of um, taste, your sense of sight. So bring in different colors, kind of just, just make it really, really come to life for the listener so mm. that they can really get a, a picture of what you're, what you're singing about. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's key for like any artist just to to paint that picture for the for the listeners. Um, mm. So they almost and a lot of I feel like a lot of your music it is relatable. It's something that people go through or they've experienced throughout their life as well. So I think that's really key that it's that level of connectivity between yourself as an artist and from a, a listener's perspective as well. That's so yeah. key. Um, you know, especially with COVID, there's no live music, which I feel like is another mm. level of you know like that connecting with each other that engagement but um yeah i think i think you're right i think you know there's no there's no real reason to to write a thousand songs just because you've got 10 hours just of free time um you know they, what do they say um quantity over um quality over quantity yeah, quality definitely i so, agree with you know, that statement 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I read up about you that you used to be on, I think you might still be a brand ambassador for, um, uh, was it Almighty, Almighty Lifestyle? So Almighty, I've worked with, um, yeah, a couple of times. Yeah. It's a clothing brand. And um, yeah, so I've, I've done a few photo shoots for them, um, help promote their clothing. Um, so yeah, I've done a, done a few, a few bits with Almighty. Yeah, that's cool. Cause I think that's a good thing. Like you said as well, um, there's obviously like a bit of a time limit on not just, I don't think just on females, I think on a lot of people, I think even some, like if you're a rapper, you can't really be talking about certain things you were talking about when you're 21 at the age of like 30, right. 40. Yeah. Cause um, it starts to look really cheesy, right? Like even I'm thinking about like now people are like, well, he's <laughs> like washed out basically. <laughs> like he's had yeah. his time. It's time to, to move along, but it's, it's strange because music is a lifelong passion for people. It doesn't just evaporate at 45 or whatever. Mm. It's um, so I'm just thinking for, for us, like when we're older, we're still going to love music, but how can I, how can I still have music in my life and make music without making myself cringe? Mm. I think it's about that sort of like growth as an artist though, as well. I think, Mm um talking from like a, a hip-hop sort of rapper perspective i think there's mm. there's growth in certain people that i i listen to and i'm you know aware of their growth because I've, I've listened to their stuff from 2000 and 2000 2001 and yeah. to the stuff they're putting out now i'm just the the way that the whole thing is structured in terms of the music in terms of the content what they're talking about it's all different now and i think that is such a key mm. thing as well in any art it's not just in hip-hop and um you know sort of that kind of world i feel like it, it makes sense for any artist to always try and develop whatever they're trying to do um, yeah but yeah I, I think you're right i think you know there's always going to be there's always going to be um room for music in everyone's life i don't think you can switch off at 50 and that's it you know you don't you don't like right. music anymore you know i'm going to be listening to music to the day that i'm not here so um yeah no i wanted to talk again quickly if we can about your latest single um stockholm yeah. syndrome which is out today it is be, thank you <laughs> yeah it's just it's weird because when we record these obviously it's out today but it will have been out a week when this comes out mm. <laughs> so it's out today but it's been out a week but um, just tell us a bit about that and, and the story behind Stockholm Syndrome as well. Sure. Yeah. So Stockholm Syndrome uh, is, is out today, but we'll have been out a week when, when people hear this. Uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting one. So musically, it's a brand new direction for me. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a place I feel really happy to be at musically because I've collaborated with lots of people over the years, as I said, I've transitioned and evolved and moved around in genres. And now I'm at a place where I feel, um, I feel I've found the sound that fits me. Um, and so this is what I describe as a kind of new disco feel. Um, I've had people message me already, which is really lovely telling me they like the song. It reminded them of Dua Lipa, um, and kind of like Kylie, but a bit more, um, a bit with a bit more feist basically so it's yeah. quite a sassy song i'd say um it's quite a rude song i wouldn't put it on in front of like your grandma <laughs> it's very it's a bit explicit in the chorus but that's fine i wanted to make a song that it was just basically for me and if anyone else enjoys it that's great but um yeah so this the song is kind of about 
uh, it's a true story as well. It's about uh, finding out your lover or your partner or whatever has been having an affair behind your back uh, with with their ex. And so it's, yeah, so it's a really, it's a deep thing. And it's about kind of that visceral reaction to finding out that situation, thinking like, wow, you Mm. did that. Okay, fine. Have it your way. (laughs) And just like, uh, I can't really, yeah, I can't really explain it without, without getting too rude, but it's, (laughs) it's just that gut reaction. And it's the message of the song really is to um, not take rubbish that people throw you away. Mm. And as soon as you realise something's up, don't second guess yourself because 99% of the time your gut will be right on things. Right. Mm. I think if you can make, yeah, like a, a measured guess on on the situation and you know, people know what is and isn't right. Um, and so, yeah, for, for me, that song is just a real, for me, it's really strange because I wrote that song to give myself closure on a situation. Mm. Um, and yeah, and now it's out. I feel like I've really just, I've put that entire situation to bed now. Yeah. Sometimes um, you need that as an artist as well. You do. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of artists that do that. Um, especially in the pop world, a lot of people write you no know, breakup albums or, um, mm. songs about exes or whatever. And it's just, very cathartic so for instance with songs like unproblematic and lemons i loved writing them of course but um they weren't as close to the bone as a song like this is mm. yeah no it's a it's a really good song um thank you yeah it's out now obviously so we'll put links in the description to where you can hear that and Thanks. all the other other music that you've got out as well um but what what have you got coming up next for us as well I hate, I hate asking that question because yeah. you literally just gave us something today but um, no it's cool yeah. this is what, the thing as, the, as an artist you you know this as well you've got to just keep going and keep yeah, yeah you've always 100%. got to have something in your back pocket as well because yeah as soon as you put something out you're on to the next thing with maybe two or three projects ahead which is is really weird because by the time something's out you're yeah. like well I worked on that I made that six months ago a year ago so it's weird because then you talk about it but it feels so old. Old. Mm. But what I'm working on right now is uh, an EP for the summer. Um, and it's going to be called Plant Seeds for Tomorrow's Sun. Okay. It's going to be a multi-track EP uh, going along the same disco funk sounds, but a bit more um, chilled, mellow, upbeat, <laughs> less sweary than Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. But, yeah. We like we like a bit of that though as well. I think it it mixes things up every now and again. There's nothing wrong with um with that. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that and and hopefully in the summer we can we can get that. Do you reckon there'll be any visuals as well with that? Yeah, hopefully. Uh hopefully, I'd really yeah. like to get a couple more videos done. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. the un- unproblematic one was really well put together. It was well directed. Yeah, I absolutely love Gareth Kay, he's the director for that video. He's he's yeah. a dream to work with. Yeah. Legend. Yeah, it was re- really well put together. Um, but yeah, looking forward to that. And obviously Stockholm Syndrome's out now. It is, yes. Yeah. So everyone listen to that, stream it. Let's try and get, how many, how many streams did you say we needed a month? Oh my God. (laughs) Millions. (laughs) We need about 25 million streams, I think. Yeah. Or something like that. A cool 25 mil would be great, please. (laughs) Let's just make it 20 for now and then we'll, 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 
we'll try and get the other five. But no, listen, honestly, go and listen to um, Stockholm Syndrome and all the other music um, that that's available out there as well. And as I said, we'll put links um, in the description so everyone can find that. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming on and I appreciate yeah. you uh, taking the time out. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been really nice to talk and yeah, let's talk a bit about music and the industry and because it, it gets crazy and I think, um, yeah, it's just healthy to talk about it. Especially in these times as well, like there's yeah. people need to talk and not just, you know, everyone's sat in their houses or meant to be sat in their houses. Um, so yeah, it's good to talk to people all, all the time and we'll always push good music on here anyway so yeah keep it coming yeah thank you